0: Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is the Broker Carrier Summit with my friend Dan Lindsay. Dan is the co-founder of a company called Linkage Logistics, and he's also the driving force behind the Broker Carrier Summit. The Broker Carrier Summit will be held on October 11th through the 13th in Tampa, Florida. Be there or be square. Check out my conversation with Dan Lindsay. So how's it going, Dan Lindsay? doing great, Joe. How are you? Doing great. Dan, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today.
1: Yes, yeah, so my name is Dan Lindsay. I am the co-founder of Linkage Logistics. We are a full truckload freight brokerage started in March of 2020, and I am in Fishers,
0: Indiana today. So that is your day job. I know you have another job. What is your other job? <laughs> <laughs> Which one do you want to hear about first?
1: <laughs> so we—I just launched the Broker Carrier Summit in February of this year. We've already had one event in Indianapolis in April, and we are planning our second event in October in Tampa.
0: Broker Carrier Summit, and it's where? In Tampa? Tampa, Florida. Very nice. Not a bad place to be. Although it's so nice in the Midwest in October. You could have waited till November. It's cold then.
1: <laughs> I, I was thinking about that, yes. One of the one of the big pieces of feedback that we got from, from everybody who attended the Indiana Summit was, can the next one be somewhere sunny? And so I figured the sun in Tampa in October was going to be more present than the sun in, in Indiana.
0: <laughs> I will say, and it's come up on my podcast a number of times. If you look at the, some of the tech hubs of this planet, we all think of Silicon Valley right away. We know Boston has that tech scene. Obviously, Austin, I think people forget. We have Toronto. We have the stuff going on in Seattle, Portland. Overlooked often is Indianapolis. It is a tech center, and people don't think about it. And By the way, I'm close to Ann Arbor. Ann Arbor is a small town, 100,000 people. Ann Arbor punches way above its weight. It is a tech center, but again, much smaller. And I think these get overlooked. They do. Absolutely. Indiana's tech scene has exploded in the last, I would
1: say, 10 to 15 years. It started around the time where Exact Target got bought by Salesforce. And since then, we've just seen an influx of, of tech companies and startups.
0: Yeah. Uh, the problem is it's affordable and the people are nice, which. Ugh. Who wants to Who wants to live in a three hundred thousand dollar house with tons of acreage <laughs> and, and lots of bedrooms exactly. and bathrooms? When you can be poor and live on the coast? <laughs> Seriously, that and that annoying uh,
1: Midwest hospitality. Who, who needs that <laughs> crap, right?
0: <Jeez. laughs> my one of my both of my daughters live in Portland. One of them bought a house, and it's shocking how much they paid. But they're from Michigan. Both my kid daughter and her husband both, and they're like. Oh, my God, this house that we bought is so expensive by Midwestern standards. I'm like, yeah. Yep. And it's a fifth of the size. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful to be on in, well, there in Portland. It's a beautiful area, don't get me wrong, but it is so much more expensive. So anyway, I, I saw a venture capitalist. I read the article, but I do not see his speech, but he was speaking at University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, and his message was stay home. Start the companies here in the Midwest. And by the way, if you ever work for a venture capital backed company out in Silicon Valley like I did, I work for a company, there's 12 people, four of us were here. The eight that were in California were from Michigan. So they had been recruited out there years earlier. And they're like, yeah, now we're poor. We could be back home (laughs) and be rich, but instead we're poor. Anyway, enough about Indianapolis. Beautiful place. So let's talk a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you started first linkage logistics, but then also this Carrier Broker Summit or Broker, I'm sorry, Broker Carrier Summit is what I meant to say. Yes, no worries. Yeah. So I grew up in the Midwest. I
1: grew up in Indianapolis, actually, and I often describe myself as, You remember George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. (laughs) Like he's the guy who, he always wanted to leave Bedford Falls, but he just, life just doesn't work out the way he plans. And so he stays in Bedford Falls. That's the way I feel about Indiana. I was very anxious to, to move away when I graduated high school back all the way in 2001. Joined the Marine Corps Reserves, but I ended up going to college at IUPUI in Indianapolis because I was starting out life as an adult broke and not knowing how to
0: navigate the world. And so IUPUI was very... Say that again. Don't use the abbreviation. Tell us what I, whatever that abbreviation is.
1: Oh, yeah. And so I went to, I, sorry, have it. So I went to Indiana University in Indianapolis. They have a joint, or they had at the time a joint campus with Purdue in Indianapolis. And so I went there because I was broke and didn't know how to navigate the world as well as I, I wanted to. And so I decided to stay home and uh, go to college for cheaper than what it would cost me to. So, oh, yeah,
0: I did the night school thing myself. It's it's a sensible thing, supposedly. But I went and I went to see my friends and party every weekend on the campus at Michigan State or Michigan.
1: I was on the six-year plan, working two or three jobs at a time, just trying to pay
0: my way and make make things happen. So did that same thing. I got my undergrad and my master's at night. I went to school full-time, I went to night school full-time, never missed a semester from age 19 to age 37. (laughs) And in addition, I took a ton of technical classes that were specific to automotive. Yeah, it sucks, but it's, yeah, you're also gaining experience. Tell us, I know I saw on your LinkedIn, you've had every job under the sun, but how did you get into the freight business?
1: Yeah. So my dad actually drove for UPS for 30 years. So it was already baked into my my blood. Although I did tell him when I graduated high school, I have no plans on going into logistics. I'm not going to go work for UPS. And I actually worked for UPS my entire college career because uh, it was a great job. They paid well, and uh, and I could pick my shift essentially. So worked for UPS for six years. I was also in the Marine Corps Reserves. I was the initial plan for me was to go active duty in the Marine Corps, but I got married. Started having a family and realized that, that the Midwest was a great place to raise my family. So I, went, I ended up staying and got out of logistics in 2007. I went to go work for a diagnostic company in their customer service department because I wanted to experience the corporate side of the American economy, I guess you could say, and got out of the operations and really came to hate sitting behind a desk eight, nine, 10 hours a day. So decided a few years later to go into the sales world, sell life insurance for a couple of years. I call those my wilderness years. I went into that against my wife's advice and everybody else's advice. But in 2013, went back into logistics. I didn't know what freight brokerage was. Uh, I just knew that if there are two indispensable industries in an economy, one is going to be communications and the other one is going to be logistics. And so I always wanted to make sure that I had a job so I continue providing for my family. Interviewed at a couple of places, landed at a big box brokerage for six and a half years. Did fairly well there, but I got burnt out from all of the activity and the all the moving pieces, I guess you could say. So I woke up one day and realized that I didn't know who my family was. They didn't know who I was. And so I got out. In 2019, had no plans of returning. Went into the consulting world for a year, and a friend of mine came to me with the idea of starting a freight brokerage. And he asked if I would start it for him. I said I can, I'll consider it. But what I need is one thing and one thing only. I need complete autonomy to build the company the way I know it needs to be built. Because I saw a lot of things in the freight brokerage world that I I knew didn't work or I knew weren't optimal. And so if we were going to venture out and build our own company, I wanted to make sure we built it the way that that I knew was going to be successful. So we started that March of 2020.
0: Right at the beginning of the pandemic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And two weeks later, we had a very stress-filled meeting where he asked me what we're going to do. And I said, I don't know about you, but I'm going to put my head down, get to work. We had zero prospects zero loads. We were using a a very inexpensive TMS and uh, we were building everything from scratch from the ground up. So we just put our heads down and got to work.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I've said many times on my podcast, I think we'll have a need, less need for freight brokers at some point. And what I mean is not necessarily for, well, I think there'll be fewer freight brokerage companies, but I also think there'll be fewer individuals because technology is doing a better and better job for us. But having said that, I was talking to Chris Kaplis, who works at MIT over in their transportation department. And he's also works at DAT. And he says, I don't know, Joe, I think it's here to stay. And I will say, we saw a spike, I believe, it's hard to tell, a spike in freight brokerages during DAT, uh, during COVID. I feel like Anytime you can't get capacity, you're going to have freight brokers pop up. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're like, I called my regular carrier; they couldn't do it. Called my buddy; he couldn't get me a truck. Now I'm on. Now I'm on LinkedIn looking for looking for another broker to help me out. And I talked to Don Salvucci Favier on my podcast from Greenscreen. She's C- CEO over there, and I think she said there's seventeen thousand freight brokers. And then somebody, JD over at the bond company, Wisebrot, I think, he told me, no, there's 22,000 or 20,000. So I think it's somewhere in there, 20,000 freight brokerages out there. And and so it, they wouldn't be there if they didn't serve a purpose. <laughs> that The nature of business is if you aren't valuable, you don't get to play. <laughs> Absolutely. And the most valuable thing you can bring to the table, whether you're a broker or a
1: carrier, is the relationship you have with your customer. And so as long as freight brokerages are started and staffed with people who are good at building those relationships and building trust, I think there will always be a need for an intermediary.
0: I think also a lot of the freight brokerages popped up as part of a a carrier that said, hey, we got trucks and we need backhauls. So I think we'll always see, it used to be a little more di- discreet where you say it's a carrier or it's a broker. Now it's carrier and broker is usually oftentimes in the same place. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about linkage. So what do you guys specialize in? What are some of the areas that you do biz in?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that we really specialize in is USDA freight uh, and nursery stock. We move a lot of fresh produce as well, but we really focus on. Customers that we can not only just move freight for, but be a strategic partner with.
0: Yeah. And when you're talking about food, especially produce, is one of those things that can go bad on you. And it is really a race from the time you pull it out of the fields somewhere from some farm. You cool it down because it's probably 90 degrees on the ground. You cool it down. You get it cleaned up, get it packaged, and then it's a flat out race to get it to the shelves. And we've all experienced that when you go, I just bought these black, blackberries are notorious. You buy the blackberries, you bring them home. You're like, if I don't eat them today, <laughs> they go bad. <laughs> they, do. they do. It doesn't matter when you buy them. They can be completely ripe when you buy them and you can do all of your checks. If you <laughs> get them on the perfect day, you're like, yes, these are delicious and good for me and all that, but they often go bad. And I think we take it for granted that this just works. During COVID, we did see, at least I saw, sometimes when you went to the store, you're like, hey, this stuff is picked over, all the veggies, all this stuff looks old and very important. But before we hit record, we are talking about the Food Safety Modernization Act, FSMA. And I did a lot of training in that. Oh, I'm thinking five, seven years ago. And that is the FDA overhauled the FDA and said, hey, we're going to do this Food Safety Modernization Act and raise the bar on things that could be tampered with and also with stuff that was perishable. Produce being really at the top of the list, liquids being high on that list. And so the bar really got higher for those of you who are moving that freight. Correct. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why we like that space so much is
1: because the team that we've assembled here is... Very experienced in the industry. I think our average, <clears throat> I think our average time of, call it time of service in the industry on across our team is over five years. And so all of our brokers know what they're doing. And anybody can move van freight, right? You can train somebody to move van loads. But if you move into the produce space and the perishable space, you really have to be on your game, especially in uh, the USDA and the FDA space. Because there's a lot of additional requirements that are being scrutinized literally by the government. You have a USDA inspector on site side of a lot of these places that are making sure the product is just so, and if the product ships just so and does not arrive in the same condition, uh, there's a USDA inspector on the other end as well. And so you really have to make sure that your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed and not just anybody can do that.
0: Yeah. I want to take a quick time out to tell you can now listen to the logistics of logistics on Wreaths Across America radio. I'll put a link in the show notes. Wreaths Across America provides informational inspiring content about members of the U.S. Armed Forces, their families, and military veterans. Their mission is to remember, honor, and teach. Wreaths Across America succeeds because of the generous support of the trucking community. Take a listen and please consider volunteering. So getting back to it. I've talked to a lot of carriers, I talked to a lot of brokers. There's a lot of carriers when you say food, they're like, nope. <laughs> and it's good to know, it's good to know where you fit. If you say we do a lot of industrial and automotive, good. If you do a lot of flatbed, good. But What happens a lot of times is we get a little desperate and somebody says, hey, can you move some freight? And you're like, well, clean up that dirty van and start moving some some perishable food in it. That'll work. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That sounds like a great idea. Let's do that. What can go wrong? (laughs) Just just wipe all the carbon black
1: out of there and uh, (laughs) throw some juice on it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about the Broker Carrier Summit. So why did you start this? What hole did you see in the market? There's lots of conferences. We can go to conferences every darn week. Why did we do this? Why did you start a new one? Yeah. So when when we started
1: Linkage, one of the reasons why I wanted to get back into the industry was because I did see a lot of issues in just the communication and the relationship between the two sides of trucking. So the brokers and carriers, the relationship between those two parties has been, let's call it tense for as long as I can remember. And so the idea of linkage, one of the things we we value at linkage is our relationship with our carriers, because without our carriers, we don't have a business. And so the idea of the summit was an offshoot of that, asking the question, how can we expand our reach into reconciling the relationship between brokers and carriers? And so that's where that idea came out of.
0: I love it. I, and I told you before we hit record that a lot of times I get calls from carriers and they'll say hey, Joe, all we want is a little more direct shipper freight, meaning I don't want a freight broker in the middle. And as I told you before we hit record, a lot of times I'll say, what's the name of your company? I'll look at their website and I'll say, oh, you know, not a great web presence. You can't find them on LinkedIn. And when you ask how many sales guys you have, they say none. And I get why, because there's a ton of that long tail right of the carriers that are the owner operators or the small fleets they don't have the high margins so they don't always have the money or the desire to say i'm going to grow a sales team they hope and they i think a lot of them do very well by saying we're gonna we're gonna get a customer we're gonna do a great job we're gonna lots of repeat business but the reason we all need salespeople is because we always need new business <laughs> and right so getting back to it i get why they don't want the the carrier because they feel like the carrier takes a big bite and i make a lot less because i'm working with them sometimes that's true <laughs> but they also know that we don't have our own sales team we don't have a big marketing budget so how are we going to continue to grow so it means they have to get together with a carrier and obviously carrier has a, the opposite problem they said hey i've got all these great customers but they won't be great customers for long if i don't have relationships with trucking
1: companies <laughs> i know that's the whole idea right like we we have to work together brokers and carriers have to work together and when we when the relationship between those two parties is contentious or there's a lack of trust between those two sides everyone is affected you're right on the money brokers are essentially our carriers outsourced sales team. Uh, Sales and lead generation and prospecting is hard. And it's a different skill set than a lot of these carriers have. And it's no fault of their own. They just want to get in the truck and drive. And and they were told, a lot of these carriers in the last couple of years especially, hey, you want to make a bunch of money, go into trucking. And they didn't necessarily have a background in it. So they don't, a lot of them might not speak the language. They don't have relationships with shippers. So they need brokers.
0: Yeah. And also, increasingly, larger shippers and even smaller shippers have an expectation that there's going to be a customer experience that includes technology. Whether you're shipping to a home or not, we all have seen what Amazon is capable of with the delivery experience. And we, we don't forget that when we go to work. <laughs> we get to work and say, I just ordered some toothpaste and it hit my porch and it was beautiful from start to finish. I want that same thing for my shipments. So the bar continues to rise uh, for carriers and for, and for carriers. And by the way, I I also, I remember when I first started in this business, people said, we have this large carrier network. And I remember somebody would call it, a lot of companies called it carrier development or carrier network development. And I heard that many times for years. And then one time I was going, I was touring a trucking company here in Mm -hmm. Michigan, lots of trucks, they had 500 trucks, but they also had a brokerage. And they said, Oh, he's in carrier sales. I go, what what is this has been carrier sales? I go, what does that even mean? And he goes, he's building our network. And, but he said, it's a subtle thing, but started calling it carrier sales. And the reason he was calling it carrier sales is because we have two customers. We have the shipper who wants us to connect them with a great broker or a great carrier, and they want their stuff delivered. But the carrier is also your customer, and they expect you to go find great freight, people who pay their bills on time, and so you can pay me on time. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And to that point, I think having a big carrier
1: network is valuable. But I think where we play, where we really focus on, it's not having a like the biggest carrier network. We can go out to the the load boards or pull lists from anywhere and get a large or build a large carrier network. We focus on building the right network for our customers. So the kind of carriers they need, the safety scores they're looking at, the
0: performance, the KPIs they're looking for, we build the right network for our customers. Yeah. And I don't do it on the podcast, because I don't think it's appropriate. But when somebody says to me, we have, 20,000 carriers in our network. I always say, how many checks did you write last month? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's 200, not 20,000. <laughs> yeah. I don't
1: know when like I don't know when the size of your carrier network became a
0: a vanity metric i don't know when that happened because there's a lot of guys in this business and they start doing stupid things <laughs> it's like putting <laughs> giant tires on your truck <laughs> we can't <laughs> help ourselves <laughs> let's talk about this broker carrier summit it is october 12th and 13th and what where is it at in tampa you said it's in tampa florida at the hotel riverwalk oh riverwalk yeah is that right downtown that's right downtown about half a mile from the convention center. Very nice. So it's the summit is inside the hotel? Correct. Yes. Very nice. Now is that is that is that a a chain hotel? It used to be a Sheraton, but it's independent now. Very nice. I was just at TMSA Transportation Marketing and Sales Association in Savannah and the conference was right at the hotel in Savannah and it was wonderful. I really liked it because You could walk back, check your emails, do all the stuff you want to do close by to your, so there's some real advantages to being in the same hotel where your stuff is staying. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. It is October 12th and 13th, which is a Thursday and Friday. Why'd you pick a Thursday and Friday? That's unusual. But Thursday and Friday, that gets you a a nice little on-ramp
1: to the weekend. So if you wanted to spend the weekend in Tampa with your spouse or with your family, you can absolutely do that. Um, for, for me personally, my, my kids' fall break is the next week. And so we're going to hang out in, in Clearwater for the next few days after that to decompress and, and, and
0: recharge our batteries. So what I'm understanding is basically this date was picked based on y- your family's vacation. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say that, sure. So next year, there's, yeah, it's at Lake Tahoe. And by the way, it also <laughs> coincides with... <laughs> So, give me the format for this conference. How does it work? Is it are there speakers? Is it more roundtables? How does this work? Yeah, so all of the above.
1: So we did a we held a uh, proof of concept summit in Indianapolis in April, and we had some general sessions where we had some speakers brought in. Robert Bain and Troy Wheatman. Robert Bain is from Cdl One Thousand. Troy Wheatman is from Leonard Express. And a couple of other people as well were talking about hot topics, like how to deal with double brokers. I gave a talk on- Oh my God. That's the a big one. Oh my gosh. Incredibly disruptive force, in, not in a good way in our industry. And it's not going away anytime soon, unfortunately, I don't think. So we talked about double brokering and how carriers can avoid that, how brokers can avoid that. We did, we had some time talking about best practices. I gave a talk on the 10 commandments or 10 rules of working with freight brokers. Uh, and additionally to that, we had a couple of roundtable discussions. Biggest value that the attendees at the Indianapolis summit had, however, was in the conversations and in the networking. So what we've done for the, the Tampa event, we've expanded our speaker base. So we're bringing in people like Ed Stockman from neutral and Don from green screens, Kevin Hill with, formerly with, with, with yep. brush pass research. Now he's going to be speaking as well. We're bringing back Robert. Bain and Troy as well, and just a handful of other speakers to broaden the educational aspect of the summit while also bringing in different pieces of the industry. So I'm really excited to to roll out from especially the tech partners that we're bringing in, how technology can play a role if you are a carrier in developing relationships with your broker customers. And likewise for brokers, how technology can play a role in enhancing your carrier relationships, whether it's onboarding or capacity management and things like that. But we're also going to have a time where we're just going to be talking together. There's a lot of roundtable discussions that are planned on things like if you are a minority on business, for instance, and you are wanting to secure government contracts, we have a speaker, Melanie Patterson with uh, Integrity in, in Chicago, she's going to be speaking on how you can can maximize the number of government contracts you can secure.
0: Very so nice, like very nice. So you mentioned Ed Stockman, I've had him on the podcast, he's with Neutral. Tell us a little bit what Neutral does. So Neutral is a curated load board, essentially that only
1: works with mid I think it's mid to these slightly larger carriers. I think their range is if you own five trucks all the way to, I think it's 200 trucks. And they really act as an alternative to just the general load boards that, a lot of the, I'm not going to say that a lot of the issues are happening on, but it's a, more of a tool that brokers can use to build their carrier network in a more uh, intentional way. And likewise for carriers, they can build their broker networks in a more curated way. They can work with brokers that are more heavily vetted so they don't have to deal with things like double brokering as often.
0: Yeah. And I think um, at, when I talked to Ed, it's been a while, but I think when I talked to him, um, Their sense was, say, this is the next generation of load boards. I'm sure the existing load boards are continuing to update, but just had a little different idea, and I love what they're doing over there. And you mentioned green screen, so Don Salvucci-Favier is going to speak. They're one of my sponsors, so I can speak about them, but they do dynamic pricing, and I think there's a ton of companies that are looking for dynamic pricing. The big boys all have it. So if you look at the top 50 companies, they all have it. They have dynamic pricing. And they are faster, more accurate, probably less expensive transaction costs than the average guy. I think now they're working with probably well over a hundred companies for dynamic pricing and they've just getting started. It is in my mind, Yeah, we could look at visibility as the killer app. I think you could also say dynamic pricing is the next killer app and either get it and and continue to play. Or go bye bye. As I mentioned earlier, I do think we'll have fewer freight brokers in the future. The ones who don't keep up, (laughs) absolutely, are going to wave bye bye. They're going to leave the field. (laughs) Yeah, I think tools like
1: green screens and neutral. This is one of the reasons why we were pursuing them as sponsors uh, and and brought them in to speak is because they level the playing field for these smaller to mid sized brokers. So the target audience for the summit, from a broker perspective, are not the top 150 in the industry. We're targeting these smaller, mid-sized brokerages who are in many times rising and falling based on the quality of their relationships with their carriers. And likewise for carriers, we're focusing on these small to mid-sized, oftentimes newer entrants to the marketplace that are just trying to build their network. And tools like green screens and neutral allow these smaller to mid-sized players in the industry to act like a larger shop because they have, they have access to the dynamic pricing that a lot of those larger companies have.
0: Yeah. I want to take a quick time out to tell you about my friends over at Green Screens. That's greenscreens.ai. Green Screens is a dynamic pricing technology for the truckload spot market that delivers buy and sell side market intelligence to help brokers and 3PLs grow and protect their margins. Freight brokers and 3PLs using green screens gain the following advantages. Faster pricing for both buy side and sell side transactions. Pricing that is more accurate and more likely to win profitable business. Guys, dynamic pricing is the next killer app. Hundreds of freight brokers are already using it because it enables them to develop faster, more accurate quotes. This is the time. Check out green screens in the show notes. Greenscreens.ai. So getting back to it, let's talk a little bit about your sponsors. So who are some of your sponsors that are going to be at, at the event?
1: So Neutral and Green Screens are our two main sponsors. We also have uh, North Star Transport. They're an asset-based company out of Maine. The owner of Northstar actually attended our Indianapolis Summit. Oh, nice. impressed. Well, yeah. you've got return so he, customers,
0: that's a good step in the right direction.
1: <laughs> yeah, he reached out to me and asked how he could help sponsor or set up the next event. So it was a really you gained a lot of value from it. I think him and a, a couple of other uh, attendees have actually expressed to me how much business they've actually gotten from the networking opportunities that they had at Very the nice. Indianapolis event. So that's exciting, yeah. That's and that's what it's all about. That's those stories really get me excited because the I'm not exaggerating when I say it, the summit in Indianapolis was probably my most satisfying moment in my career in logistics because for the first time we saw two sides of the table that are at, almost always at odds with each other. And we saw them come together, have conversations that were mutually beneficial. I mean, the, the first thing that was said, I went around the room and I asked why everybody was here. And the first person to speak up said, I'm here because I hate brokers, but I've never met any. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You're, you're introducing the carriers to the brokers see, they don't have horns. I told you. <laughs>
1: Exactly. they're not all evil, and guess what? The evil ones are not going to come to a summit that's designed. You won't let a them come.
0: You weed the you weed exactly. the evil ones out. Absolutely. Yeah, the, by the way, I I think it goes both ways because I, I know carriers say, God, those guys are getting a big bite, but they don't recognize that sometimes you lost money on a load. Sometimes I don't think that's recognized. So you do need to have these one-on-one conversations over a beer and and build those relationships beyond just the Zoom calls, beyond just the telephone calls. During COVID, I know you guys started, started during COVID, we didn't travel. But then when we started traveling again, it hit me like, oh, God. I've, in this is me myself, I've interviewed probably 400 people. How many did I know in person that I actually spend any time with? It's, it, and so I think conferences are more important than ever when we're all separate. And the nature of logistics, if I'm moving three loads a month for you and you're on the other side of the country, I'm not going to necessarily visit that shipper. If you're the carrier, I'm not necessarily ever going to de- drive to your location three states away for those three loads that, to talk about. We have to do it by phone. It's just the, the nature of the business. This is why conferences are so important. Absolutely. And it's the value,
1: the depth of which you can go in those conversations, like you said, over a beer, breaking bread with your counterparts. The conversations are so much more productive because, again, the Zoom calls or the phone calls, they're limited to the 30-minute time block that you've allowed them to exist in. You start a conversation with a broker or with a carrier over a
0: beer at a conference. That conversation could last for. And maybe this is just a thought. You don't have to do it. Maybe Dan, you also get like a cage, and so there could be some cage fighting between the brokers and the carriers.
1: <laughs> just get all that aggression. That was my main. That was my main concern. One of the biggest. things. So I was doing some analysis before we we launched this, and that, one of the biggest questions I had is. What the hell am I doing? <laughs> we're we're going to get brokers and carriers in the same room. Do I need to hire security? Do I need to have the police on standby? You're, You're a soldier. You're a soldier, man. Come
0: on. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, but you, you get a bunch of truckers in the in the room and a bunch of Type A brokers in the room. They can get out of
0: hand pretty quickly. But thankfully, like we didn't have that. <laughs> your other idea was let's do a uh, let's do a conference for cats and dog owners. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Yes. And and let's have them talk to each other about why they're important.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think it is really important. And again, I do think, do you remember there's, a. I think one of the great management consultants, you don't see him around, he's probably gotten very old, but he was great. His guy named Tom Peters. And Tom Peters wrote a whole bunch of books. And by the way, like every one of his books basically was saying, my last book, I was so wrong. <laughs> And he worked at McKinsey uh, back in the day. And anyway, one of the things he said is the very best business meeting, the very. And by the way, you don't expect this from a McKinsey consultant, but he said the very best business meeting are barbecues. (laughs) And it's really true. When you get everybody away from their PowerPoint presentations, away from their spreadsheets, and actually face to face, hopefully you can put the phone down for just a minute and and talk to somebody and learn something new about about your fellow fellow logistics people absolutely i
1: think that's something that we've lost in in this country because we move at such a fast pace especially in logistics we're always there's like this latent or not so latent anxiety by which we live our lives we have to always be thinking about moving on to the next thing i was traveling when i was in college i went over to europe for a couple of weeks uh, on a on a trip and One of the things that that struck me was how long these people lingered during a meal. Right, they would spend two hours or three hours at at a a lunch or at a dinner. Even so, I studied French a little bit as well. One of the things when you ask somebody in French a little bit of random trivia because there's a lot of cats in my head. One of the things that that you you ask in French, you don't ask how long were you at uh, at dinner. You ask how long were you at table how long would you sit down at the table? And so the idea is you come together, you break bread, you talk, you have valuable conversations. As long as the conversation is flowing, there's food, there's there are beverages, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, and again, this is a perfect opportunity. So we'll get over there in Tampa. Again, we'll hear from Neutral, we'll hear from Dawn Over Green Screens. You said Northstar Transport's one of your sponsors, Leonard Express's sponsor. I wrote here, Kleinwood and Shepard, those are insurance companies, right? Correct, yes. Yeah. So we really wanted to bring the insurance companies in to help
1: enhance the conversation around double brokering because there are a lot of different facets that carriers and brokers both need to consider when they're booking that next load with the broker or with the carrier. Now, how do you vet your carriers from a broker's perspective? And from a carrier perspective, how do you vet your brokers? First of all, don't, don't book a load with a broker out of desperation. That's just don't do it. If you don't know the broker, if you can't, if you don't have their, their bond certificate, if you don't have the right COI for them, don't just don't book the load, you're in for a world of hurt. So we brought them on to specifically speak speak to that. We also have a a couple of compliance people as well. So Bill Hood is over at Velocity. Uh, I think he's out of Chicago. He's got a, a whole compliance practice. He has a whole compliance practice. I think he just rolled out the trucker MBA or trucking MBA. That's that's focused on building carriers' capabilities and understanding around their compliance needs. So again, trying to add value in everywhere every way we can.
0: Yeah, there are starting to be some solutions to this double brokering, and you said it's here to stay for the short run anyway. I know Cassandra Gaines has got a company, I think it's called Carrier Sure. She's working on that. I just interviewed George. I'm supposed to have her on my podcast already, but we'll see. We hope we get it done this month. But I talked to Jordan Graf recently. They're over at Highway. They're going after it. But and I do also know Ed over at over Neutral. They're trying to get after some of this. I think everybody's recognized that the problem now is just how do we put a stop to it?
1: <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's an encouraging point. Is that so many companies and so many individuals are trying to tackle the same problem from different angles. Uh, it's one thing to have an internal process that your team can use as a broker to minimize the effect of double brokering, but it's another thing entirely if you have two or three technology companies in your corner, uh, as well as an insurance person or insurance, uh, company helping you write your policies, helping you write your procedures on how to negate those bad actors.
0: Yeah. And it's funny, it's still a very small, it's gotta be less than 1% of our shipments, but it it undermines the integrity of the whole industry. You start to look and go, God, can I can who can I work with? Who's who can I trust? And again, one more reason we need to meet in person. If you meet somebody in person at a conference, they're probably not the double broker, right?
1: Yeah the, yeah, the Double Broker Mafia is not going to be showing up to the Broker Carrier Summit. I can guarantee you that. Or you will take, get the cage fight going. <laughs> we will get the cage fight going. And I can guarantee with the amount of muscle that we have, I think I think we stand a good chance of,
0: of uh, getting the upper hand on that. Exactly. So who's the sweet spot for your summit? Who should attend besides everybody, which is the short answer?
1: <laughs> yeah, so everybody who is concerned about building relationships through partnership should consider attending the broker carrier summit specifically if you are running or involved in the operation side of a small to a mid-sized broker and you're looking to expand your carrier base with carriers that you can dig deep with and, and have regular uh, relationships with and give regular freight to from the brokerage side, that's who should attend from the carrier perspective newer carriers with fewer than 20 trucks who are just starting to, to either build their network or trying to ask, starting to ask hard questions. Is it time for me to spin off a brokerage division of my asset-based carrier? If so, how do I do that? How do I handle double brokering? How do I avoid it? Because one of the, one of the questions we asked in the previous summit was how many double brokered loads does it take for you to not get paid on for your company to go out of business? Do you want to know what the answer was? <laughs> yeah. One, these newer, smaller carriers are operating on such a small margin. All it takes is one cross-country load they were promised the moon on that doesn't get paid and they're out of business.
0: Yeah. And I think the the nature of all manipulation, it seems, and all kind of bad actors recognize the weak link. They They see Uh, in another person a weakness whether it's personal or in business and we've always seen that you look and go how does that lunatic know who to pick on they obviously are picking on soldiers like yourself but how do they know to pick on that the person that they picked on and it's these little nuances. And unfortunately it happens way too much. That's what we get it. Got to get to this summit. Got to get, and, and again, I think with green screens and neutral and some of these others, this isn't a, just a chance to meet and build relationships. It's also an opportunity to learn and grow and hopefully win some business. <laughs> Absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. So what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile, a link to your website, And a link to anything else you and your marketing team give me, I'll put that in the show notes. And uh, we will see you in Tampa October 12th and 13th, which is a Thursday and Friday. And I guess a lot of us will be vacationing with you and your family right after. (laughs) Sounds like a plan. (laughs) So I like to interview smart, interesting people like you, Dan. We're killing it in the space. Who else should I interview?
1: Now You mentioned one already with Cassandra Gaines. She is an absolute dynamo when it comes to trying to lead the fight and double. she brokering. is
0: fa- supposed to i, I think i'm supposed to interview her next week but it's been postponed like three times and i think eventually i'll get her on here <laughs> yeah i'm looking forward to it
1: yeah so, to another personality in the space he's actually also, also speaking at the summit is robert bank aka the
0: strongest the strongest man in, in logistics yes i am connected strongest to him fan. on linkedin and uh, yeah i never talked to him but i'm always impressed by not only his being the strongest man in logistics, which I don't think anyone is going to argue with this one minute, but also he seems to got a lot going on, a lot on the ball. So what, he's at, what, CDL 1000? He's at CDL 1000, yeah. What do they do he's over the operations there? operations director over there. They're a broker. Okay. All right. I'll, I will see if I can't get Robert Bain on the podcast. Thank you so much. I normally ask people, what conferences will we see at? So I guess I'll ask you, Dan, what conferences will we see you and your team at this year? You will see all of the linkage team actually at the broker carrier
1: summit in Tampa October twelfth and thirteenth. I will probably be at the TIA uh, PAC event in September in Washington, DC. As well as I'm trying to get permission from on the home front to attend TIACon uh the week after the summit as well. Where's that one at?
0: I think it's in San Diego. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time and I look forward to seeing you down in Tampa. Not a bad place to go in October. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on, Joe. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward.